it will get worse if you and the Jamel Bowie's of the world don't fucking strangle it in the crib, as you suggested. <laughs> I mean, you know, laughing it off is half the battle. I mean, there's no other uh, recourse. What else do you do? podcast that was reminded this week that while it may be true that Donald Trump and his merry band of MAGA true believers seem to really believe that the 2020 election was stolen, and they may well be a unique threat to democracy and our civic institutions, and that Trump becoming the president again would be really quite intolerable in any number of ways and for any number of quite serious reasons, yes, that is all true. The threat is real, and it is spectacular. It's also true that this week this podcast was reminded who Donald Trump really is at his core, who he has always been, that thing that America taught him he had to be, that for all the bloviating and blowhardiness and insistence from himself and his supporters, that he's a force to be reckoned with, and the insistence from those who oppose him that he's an existential threat to our way of life. Trump is, and always has been, a facade, a fucking phony, as this podcast blogged way back in March of 2020. The pandemic, like any real external threat the administration might have faced instead, has revealed the hollowness inside the circus, sliced open to expose not some secret mechanistic clockwork of the orange man, but nothing at all. There was never anything or anyone back there. The stupidity and the absurdity of the trumpeting was never some cover, did not mask an administration doing the hard work of governance behind the scenes. The adults in the room, especially after the first year or so, only ever really concerned with keeping the boss happy. The hollow show is all there ever was, a news cycle generator and reaction machine that never quits and can't be reprogrammed for any other use. And he is, as ever, always telling you exactly who he is. End quote. Trump can always be fully explained by the stupid thumbs up he gave when posing for a photo with a taco salad on Cinco de Mayo. The way America can be neatly summed up by watching a 36-hour live feed of your neighborhood McDonald's. Trump is fully encapsulated by his insistence on sharpieing over hurricane maps and truthless, but more importantly, pointless claims about crowd size. If you can wrap your head around the phrase, unlike websites of the past then you can fully grok Donald Trump. So if you saw the headlines last week screaming about 43 folders marked top secret and classified and how those folders were found empty, you probably also heard rampant and ridiculous speculation about what was in those folders, about who was sold the content of those folders or where they might be hidden, the unknowable terror of empty folders because of what surely had been in them before, the crimes of the empty folders. But with Trump, the empty folders are the point, lying about on the desk in a heap looking important. Eyes only, reads the folder, and inside is a grease-stained Burger King receipt and a clipping from Vanity Fair from 1995 about Trump and Marla Maples. Top secret classified, screams the folder from the desk, and inside is an 8 by 10 of Trump and Herschel Walker from 1988. Maybe he sold the content to the Saudis. Maybe whatever it was proves his collusion with the Russians. Or maybe, more likely, it's just another way that Trump is telling us exactly who he is. 
like he always is. Some very important-looking empty folders signifying nothing more than the perception of his own importance in the eyes of others reflected back on him. Unlike websites of the past. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How you doing, Lori? I'm all right. Clemson just scored. All right. Tonight is Monday, September the 5th, 2022. Labor Day. What'd you do this weekend, Abe? How'd you, how did you take in the football? College football season I, has started. I watched a lot of football. You know, every year I'm like, oh, maybe I'm going to pare down some of this football watching. It's like kind of, you can it's, pare it's it down later. When the first weekend, it's like, <laughs> no, give me all of it. But it's just this weird ritual that I go through. It's like I pretend, like I know that I'm not going to not watch that much. Uh, and then I will watch a lot, like especially the first weekend of the college football and then the first weekend of the NFL. And then things will settle. But it was fun. There were a lot of like shanks, big fan of that. Um, there was one game in the Carolinas where there was a lot of it. Uh, punts, muffed. I would like it when they say that. Uh, and... <laughs> Last night, LSU had an extra point blocked at the end of the game to lose That's at the right. end of the game. Not not as good as a shank to lose it, no. but a, a block is still pretty good. But funny because I think it, that a similar – it was kind of like LSU experienced bad things twice yesterday. There was like the two punts that weren't uh, uh, secured, and then there, were, there was another block. It wasn't a point after, but it was like a field goal scenario. But it's weird how it happened multiple times. But, yeah, overall, a lot of fun on – on the Saturday when Georgia was playing at the 3 o'clock, 3.30 window, I did not expect this to be a close game. I didn't predict that it would be 49-3, but I wasn't too concerned. And so some friends and I, we just kind of went around, uh, went to this brewery. And unbeknownst to us, they were having a part of the brewery was going to be... Drag um, show. Kids drag a, show. <laughs> not a kid drag show like last week, but a... A uh, even worse, uh, a private Oregon watch party, oh. and I was like, "Oh Bummer. no, <laughs> these poor people! They don't uh. know what's going to happen." And every time oh, I was so come back you, to get the game hadn't started. No, it was like like five minutes before okay. kickoff, and I was like, "I don't know." And there were like balloons, and I'm like, "Oh man, I don't know who told them what, but this is not going to be that kind of game." And every like twenty minutes, I would like come up and grab a drink, and it would be like yet another touchdown, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. This dog's team, and, I think they had seven possessions and seven straight touchdowns before. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was ridiculous. Before, yeah. Like it, was, it was seven scores on seven possessions. Yes. And yeah, the, apparently on the, the offense day, is good. They rested. As, as predicted last week by this very podcast, Stetson Bennett <laughs> is going to hilariously win the Heisman Trophy this year. It would. So I am not a patient person. So I've been sad that we still haven't gotten a Stetson Bennett story feature film. And yes. I will be more okay with it. I don't think he's nearly to wait. an interesting oh. enough person to justify that a feature film. That doesn't mean you can't film. make a fucking film. Like, whatever yeah, can make it interesting. If he has to win a Heisman first, that's why we haven't gotten the movie yet. So, good <laughs> luck to him. Although, who knows? I can't even... One thing about... And, and maybe it's because of the lack of preseason. I can never tell like who's good in college tell. football. I'm like, 
Is Florida good? No, I that's don't know. why like, these games are always against opponents that don't actually matter. Right. The answer is no. But, Florida is not good. I watched a lot of football this weekend, too. And the main thing that I concluded, though there were some exciting and, and good the games. The quarterback's good. There are no good football teams at the college level. Like, there's <laughs> Alabama and there's Georgia, who are both, like, well-coached, good football teams. And then there's yeah. everybody else. And no matter what the number is next to their name, especially, I mean, it's absurd, this first week of the season, you don't have much of a worse idea as the so-called professionals do who decide what the number is next to the team at the start of the season. Like, there's no real good reason for Florida to be unranked and like, Utah to be ranked Utah. whatever yeah, they were ranked. Exactly. Like, it's just utter Seventh. nonsense. Yeah. But watching... I mean, the one that comes to mind immediately is the Florida game because what you said, but it, it happened in any of the games that I we were flipping through or watching when, when Georgia executes a play fake, it's like Stetson Bennett, like say what you will about him. And I have, I'm a, I'm his harshest critic arguably, but like he turns <laughs> to the side and there's the running back there that he's going to pretend to hand the ball to. And then they make the motion and then they go into the, and then he throws it. Right. So it's like, yeah, here's me pretending to hand to this, Right. This player who's next to me, and then he runs as though he has the ball, and then a uh, sneak attack. I still have the ball, yeah. you fools. And now I throw <laughs> it, right? And then we score, and there's great, much rejoicing. But when the Florida guy did it, he kept turning the wrong way, or there's just no yeah. one else in the backfield, and he would just stand there and pause for a second. There's nobody within five yards of the guy. Like, you're just an idiot just standing there with the ball like there's just no one there man like are you is there some miscommunication are you just doing that out of some strange habit but this happened constantly on on multiple yeah. different times of just this one drive that I watched at the Florida game it's like these people don't have any idea what the fuck they're doing and it's only on the, the sheer athleticism and the and the ability of the players yeah. on the field who yeah. are getting anything done I have I was thinking like I was looking at one of these you know prediction the top four playoff prediction i guess you would say and it's yeah. like georgia alabama ohio state clemson georgia alabama you know maybe a notre dame maybe a weird you know arkansas was one michigan yeah like oh yeah yeah but it's just like you said it's like there's these two teams that are really good like why it's not what? it can't just be we have better players. Yeah, it's mostly we have better but players. There it's a lot are of only that. that many good players. I know, but you ever see the every draft class like Georgia, Clemson, I don't know where they are anymore, Alabama. There's like a handful of teams, Ohio State's one of them, where they have a lot of like five star players. And if you you accumulate a bunch of those, the gap is gonna widen, right? I, and it's so, just it's interesting because, yes, we had this record number of drafted players, but it's not like the entire NFL is made up of exclusively Georgia, Alabama, right. Ohio State players. Right. Like, right. Right. And I, like I said, I mean, it's not like Stetson is even that good. Like Stetson had a couple of – he looked good this weekend, but he had a couple of throws where my big complaint with him has long been that he's just a beat late on a lot of the throws where either – He's slightly underthrowing someone, not because he doesn't have the arm strength, but just because he's just a just a second later than he needs yeah. to be. Or when somebody goes on one of those 
those routes where they run out and then turn around and the ball needs to be right in their chest right at that moment because that they're creating the separation just for that quick second. The ball needs to be there, and he's always just a half a second late. And there was more of that again this weekend. So it's not like he's exempt from the thing that I'm complaining about. But the team as a whole looks like a cohesive unit that has some idea as to what they're trying to do. And you turn on any of these other games, and there's not a lot of that going on. You, you you didn't uh, see any talent in the LSU Florida game. There, we didn't. There's a couple of good players on LSU each team. No, I'm not saying that there's no talent. L- L- yeah. I'm, I'm L- saying that yeah. there's there's just not a lot of like. It just seems obvious to me that there are like there's an Alabama Is team that's coached coaching? really well, right? And like they know it. Like it, think of how rare it was. What I'm trying to remember which game it was against us. It, it, maybe it was the national title game where Alabama had like a number of of weird mistakes on the offensive line, I think where they're like missing assignments and maybe like a couple of strange holds called on them where normally like they, they don't hold so badly that the refs have to throw the flag. I don't know. It doesn't matter, but they, they okay. just look like a well-coached cohesive unit. Georgia looked like a well-coached despite Kirby's just nonstop insanity, leaping all over the well, place on that's the sidelines. The thing. <laughs> like that's what I'm sort of getting at is like, it can't just be that the players are better. There's some sort of formula. There's some way of coaching that some of oh. these coaches have been able to composure make t- and physicality. Yeah, composure, physicality. <laughs> obviously, those are two of it's the probably, the p- pillars. It's it probably the confidence helps too. Like if you are yeah. on the better team and you have and you think that and you believe that. Like I mean, the what well, the the coach that our defensive coordinator that went over to Oregon. Um, they didn't have – I mean, he could have brought all of the schematics and all of the, the culture and all that stuff. I know it was only one offseason, but they don't have the players yeah, and unfortunately, they can't Unfortunately, he also brought Bo Nix from Auburn with him. <laughs> <laughs> that was – I did not help. <laughs> it was fun, though, watching the dog steamroll against a ranked opponent in the first week, 49-3. to three. It, was, it was good. Although – I'll admit, I was a little worried about my gambling there at the start because I had the under, and we just kept scoring and kept scoring. I was like, we're going to get to the fourth quarter here, and the defense is going to let a couple of scores in and ruin my day. But they did not. So the under hit, and it was a good day for the FanDuel account for the kid here. (laughs) You know what I'm a little bit sick and tired of, Abe? This is uh, time now to complain about life in the suburbs here. Oh, we boy. don't live in the suburbs. Oh, whatever. If this is a suburban-esque <laughs> complaint. Okay. You know what we don't need any more of right now? What's that? Some fancy fucking peanuts sold at overpriced, uh, jacked-up rates sold by middle schoolers. We need to support so many more peanuts. To, to support the <laughs> fucking middle school orchestra. Peanuts. We need honey-roasted peanuts. We need... Wasabi peanuts. We need peanut clusters. You know what? Nobody needs a jar of 10-ounce peanuts for 18 fucking dollars in order to support the $14. local. $14. To, to be clear, is your objection the specific product that they're peddling or that they even need to do it to raise in funds? Part, like what is- it, is, it is many things. In part, it is that three or four different – I think we bought from three different kids, right? So it's – they're all here. They're all trying to get the same thing, which is to raise money for the middle school orchestra. Because there's a shortage of cellos. There's a record number <laughs> of kids wanting to play cello, and they don't have enough cellos. So you can't point to the classmate that you pay, like, oh, I already 
bought some I mean, I suppose we from- could. We could say, look, we've already <laughs> supported the middle school orchestra here in this neighborhood, and I'm sorry that you won't get the points or whatever for, yeah. that you would have. Yeah. Like, but surely there's no reward system here. I hope that they're not well, like... And also, besides the point, that it should be in the spirit of charity. Don't well, worry about Well, in the spirit that. of charity, don't fucking bring me a brochure. Well, with- that's the thing. With fancy peanuts at at like forty seven dollars a pound, it's fucking when, absurd. When I was in color guard, we had tag day, and you would yeah. be assigned a neighborhood. It was a Saturday, and you'd get up in your uniform. So the band people had to wear their full band, ridiculous with a cape uniform. No, okay. We wore our color guard like tight but flowy, sparkly uniforms. Yeah, and just knocked on people's doors and said, "Hey, we're fundraising for the band. Can you give us some money?" <laughs> That's what we did. Please don't say anything creepy to us, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> so, like, it would have been way better to at least have something to sell. We, so there was nothing. It was just a, we used to just get like shake big old cardboard boxes okay. of like full-sized candy bars, and you're supposed to sell them for a dollar or two dollars or something. And then the profits were kept by the school. But as I recall, I think I would just buy a bunch and keep them myself and then just turn the money in. Because That's I, how you got fat. I hated the idea of having to go and be the 10th kid of the day to knock what, on the neighbor's what door. What school was that? That must have been middle school as well. Okay. Yeah. Probably for the band, for all I know. Trying to get more trumpets or something for the... And, and and it wasn't a consideration for you to get ahead, to be like the first of the 10 kids, like to get there early? No, it was not the a, first. Not a, doesn't do things not early, a are you kidding? And not, certainly Bob not, waits till the last minute certainly, to do everything. Certainly not a go-getter in terms of like sales. Like, like in, in any other number of ways, I might be a bit more ambitious, but not when it comes to like, oh, you want some candy bars to support the middle school orchestra? I mean, the way to do it is to... Like, just send it with your mom to work. Right, but then then you're the fucking adult who has to go and no, try no, no, to convince no, 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 no. all the grown-ups. No, because you, the adult, can be like, hey, if anyone wants any of these bullshit peanuts, let me know. All Don't right. worry about it. Why are we <laughs> paying Williams-Sonoma prices for these goddamn Virginia peanuts that we could get at the grocery store for a third the price. Like, there's just got to be a better way. These I don't know. Days, if... These days, it might be actually on on track. I don't know. It's it's out of control. They better stop coming around here with their peanut brochures. Uh, on the uh, parents hawking their kids' stuff uh, for, for this uh, these fundraisers, uh, my personal experience is that uh, you'll go a long way if you just say, hey, this is the thing, if you want it, you know. Because sometimes people will press and they'll come up with a backstory, not no, a no, no. Yeah, winning argument say, with me. Yeah. Just yeah, hey, I have this. Here's the thing. And yeah. all of a sudden, you you're it? in your lunch hour. You're in the fucking break room, and somebody's trying to get you to buy a fucking timeshare. It's like, wait a second. I thought this was about Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> no, I'm not going to invest with whatever this thing is. Not again, anyways. Yes. Yeah. You fooled me once. <laughs> oh. I don't know. There's got like, I suppose it's different everywhere you go. But is there such a thing as like a fully funded orchestra in a middle school somewhere a where they private school is what you would call that? I don't know. I think I've seen private school kids trying to come by and get some money for their situation. Like, is there? 
Are there things, is this a topic no. worth exploring? Are there things in our schools that we all collectively want and see as a good, but that we just have absolutely no desire to fund? And therefore, we need the kids to go be go-getters and get the, get the project funded in order for it to take off. Well, you know, I always thought, I mean, my experience of it was always like the, the main programs are funded through the regular means, you know, I guess property taxes or whatever. But like if there was like a trip or something on top of the regular curriculum and program, after school program, uh, for those things, fundraising would make sense. But sometimes I, I see and read about these, what I think are more like functional parts of school that people are fundraising out of. And that's always weird. Like, why are you having to ask for people money for, you know, just no, the, it's the instrument, anything not the trip. Yeah. Close to the arts. They're like, yes. fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the thing that needs the most money too. Like you have right. to have tangible things right. for arts, but the, they don't think they're worth doing. And also, I suspect when they're trimming the budget for school, they always think, oh, that's a fun thing, but not it's not math. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can shake some parents down for money for that program. Or just don't have the program. Like, or, yeah. there are so many schools that don't have an orchestra. Yeah. They I, just yeah, don't, I don't have remember it. our school having a thing. Yeah, that's right. If it was my kid and I'm like, because I can't encourage them go knock on doors and try to get no. money from people. Like, that's just, like, here's a fuck $100. You can say that you went around. Don't, right. I guess, get the peanuts. But, like, is there a way to just give the money <laughs> instead? Right. Like, we take the middleman out, avoid the overpriced peanuts, and then just get the oboe or whatever it is that the school is after this year? I don't know. It's got to be a better way. Yeah. I suspect yeah, some parents do, we did. do that. It sucked. Speaking of underfunded local shit that you would think would be uh, higher priority. Have you seen the coverage out of Jackson, Mississippi this week about oh, the water undrinkable problems? water? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to, I have like 11 windows. It's real bad right now. Hang on. Give me a second here. That didn't sound too high for you. Oh, no. I mean, the Windows. Nine windows. And then, and then, oh. And then within the <laughs> okay. windows are the things I wanted to talk about. Okay, there it is. The Mississippi Free Press talking about uh, what Governor Tate Reeves has just said this evening, in fact, or today, some at some point today. He's the one that always looks like a frat boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he said right. 100%. He has, well, his name's Tate Reeves. What do you want? <laughs> but he's got the... The getup of a Fred boy, like in the fall, in the late fall. <laughs> he says privatization is on the table as a means of fixing this problem oh, in the long boy. term. Apparently, they don't have the the money to just like uh, bring water to people, like like yeah. the the core, arguably, like the only thing that a functioning government should do without question is. I mean, I guess. I mean, I know the libertarians. Will, want to drive a stake through my heart when I suggest that something like water should be delivered to the public as a public good and that the failure to do so should not result in handing over responsibility for that to private companies who definitionally will care more about 
making a dollar at the end of the day than they will about delivering safe drinking water to the people. I don't, I don't under, I get, it's one of those things that when you talk, like people have to come up with a framing that makes it make sense for them, which is why it always defaults to, this is about structural racism, right? Because yeah. uh, Jackson, Mississippi is 80% black. And the reason that they haven't invested in infrastructure over the course of the last however many years is because of white flight that took place in the seventies and the eighties. It's like, right. so you're telling me that a place that is 80% black, that almost certainly elects only black people to represent them at the, at that level, right? The, the, the capital city of Jackson, Mississippi surely has a representative is somebody who cares about the, the people on the ground there. And yeah. Can, can legislatures and, and governors do weird things with the way that they route funding and all of that? Absolutely. But to default and to, and, and I think that my problem with blaming this on racism, even though you can point, you can build a whole narrative and say that this is about the, the structural barriers to equity and all of the rest is that it doesn't do anything to fix the fucking pipes in the ground, right? And in fact, it has the opposite impact in terms of motivating people to fix the fucking pipes in the ground because the the fucking hairs on the back of their neck go up and they're like, Tate Reeves? Like, huh? Look, I might be a frat boy who you recognize from 990 South Millage who would tip you like a dollar ten, maybe if he's lucky, because that's just what he, he forgot that he handed you a ten and it was only eight dollars and ninety cents. But like he may be a shithead, but like he's he doesn't think of himself as a racist, and he doesn't, right. and he certainly doesn't present in any meaningful way as a racist. And so, saying the reason that all of these black people don't have drinking water is because Tate Reeves and the Mississippi government has long been a bunch of racists. Well, even if it's one hundred percent true, isn't going to do anything to get right. good drinking water down the gullets of the people who need good drinking water. Right. And instead, if you just present it as, hey. This is fucking America. Are you out of your goddamn minds? Yeah. There cannot be a situation where there's not an, a profound investment in infrastructure anywhere that you can't turn on the tap in your kitchen and get safe drinking water. It's completely insane. And like, like I, I, I recognize that because it's a Flint thing, which is also in terms of the the racist thing. But ultimately, that was just about some idiot politicians doing a handout to a private company that they were trying yeah. to switch the water source. and They did. Isn't that what fucked it up? Right, that's what fucked it up, it? is they switched the water yeah. source, and it, it basically cleaned out all of the gunk that was inside the, pi- the, the lead pipes here and led to a disaster, a, an ongoing civic disaster that, that does not – like that you just need tens of billions of dollars to clean up afterwards. To me – it's it's the sort of thing that I, I wish that Joe Biden or or some other like if Donald Trump had done it, it would have been pure brilliance. Right. If he had said, look, you can vote for Democrats all you want, but I'm the guy who came in here and put 10 billion dollars into the Flint water system and and fix the goddamn problem. Like it's the sort of thing that government can do and must yeah. do. And to, to talk about it in any terms besides this is an emergency that must be solved right away. I don't understand. Now, the suggestion to bring in a private company to do something about this issue, uh, I guess my question is, was financial malfeasance the cause of this water issue in Jackson? Or wasn't it just like some weather event, plus there isn't the property tax base to fund all of the basic services that a city should provide? Like, it's not 
Right. There some was some sort of there corruption. Was, there that... was flooding, and the flooding overwhelmed the filtration and the cleaning systems of the local water plant, and it fucked with the way that the pressure and the water moves through the whole system. And like, right. yeah, whatever. Who knows what the underlying infrastructure causes? And and yeah, could it be decades of underinvestment because of a feeling that? The more money we pour into there, we don't. We're not getting any better results, or like whatever. I suppose. But isn't that? I mean, going back to the the point that you made about the 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 flight to the suburbs uh, in the in the after the civil rights era, I guess the money that cities and local towns have to use is based on whatever they can collect from property taxes and local taxes and that sort of thing. So, like, if there isn't that base, then there isn't that money. And those kind of cities fall into disrepair, not just like a Jackson, uh, but parts of West Virginia. Uh, and, uh, and there's a lot of towns where the you know there used to be an industry there, and therefore they had ta- a tax base there. And when the industry dried up, everything kind of fell apart, and people turned into, I guess, drugs and whatever. But like, right? But this is my, so. This is my problem, and maybe this is just a problem that I have with the way that taxes are collected and then applied, just the way that our system works here, right? So that. You, it's the same exact complaint that you hear about schools, right? Which is that yep. the schools are underfunded because the property taxes in these cities have been hollowed out by the fact that a great deal of white flight happens, which ruined the the tax base for the city, and then less money goes into the schools. But like, I don't know. My feeling is that the water thing and the schools thing, that, that, that instead of doing this on such a hyper-local level, that we should expect our governments to deliver a, a certain bare minimum standard of of service for at least some things and those things are the electrical grid needs to fucking work and the water needs to deliver clean water to the house and schools should be funded to a bare minimum regardless of what the local property tax base is and that that's the sort of thing that is sorted out by state legislatures all the time and i don't understand how the capital of one of the 50 states in this country can be so severely malnourished in terms of a property tax base that it can't fix the goddamn water pipes you know this is not a related issue but i guess it's related in this sense uh here in atlanta we have two level one trauma centers uh Grady and Atlanta Medical Center, and just this past over the past weekend, the company that runs the Atlanta Medical Center uh, said that they're going to close it due to it just a it's a money pit for them, I guess. I think they were pointing to a hundred million dollar loss last year. Georgia is one of the states that did not expand Medicaid right. uh, funding, and so I mean, some people are pointing to that, like if you know that that may have helped keep uh, a very important medical center afloat. Uh, but in any event, it seems like very basic fundamental infrastructure like water and healthcare and those kind of things. If you can't do those smaller things, I don't know. I don't know how you can tackle some of the bigger stuff. I don't know if the infrastructure law that passed um, last year or earlier this I think year. The number is seventy-five. Take- Mississippi's going to get seventy-five million dollars for water infrastructure, which is like. It's nothing, and that's the whole state. So, like, and then a small amount of that would go to Jackson, presumably. Right. Like it's just not very much money, and I don't know. Like, if it doesn't matter what the cost is to fix the water system, then you just spend the money. You have to. Right. This is like I, I just keep going back to like, this is America. It's insane that you can go anywhere and turn on the water and not get something that you can drink right away. Right. You know, barring like strange situations where. 
rather suddenly there's flash flooding, which overwhelms the system or something like that, right? That's but, also like, right. as it's Mississippi, not Arizona. Like, what's the problem? Fix it. Yeah. There's water there. Quote from Tate Reeves, Unfortunately, we've never received a real plan from Jackson on how to improve their water system so the state could consider how to fund it. So it's just constant blame shifting from one right. crew to another. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know any of the details. I don't know. It just It's one of those things that whenever I hear about it, it just boggles the mind that it's not something that was fixed already. And Flint is still an ongoing problem, as I understand yeah. it. And it, yeah, and also two administrations uh, later, right? Isn't uh, I think is it the Army Corps of Engineers? Somebody does a report on just the infrastructure of the country, bridges, you know, water, all all these things, and they always come back with like a either a failing grade or just like a almost failing grade. And I don't know if anyone has gone around to tallying up how much it would cost to bring everything up to uh, to standard, but it's probably a lot more than whatever the the infrastructure bill uh has allotted for uh and so like i don't know maybe they just people just don't see value in it we'll wait until it falls apart and we'll blame somebody else i don't know that's but kind of the it, story it, of the whole country though right like it's it's all just last minute delivery of the absolute bare minimum to get the job done that's the thing this is the yeah. same country that didn't have fucking formula like it kind of yeah. sucks yeah I did want to uh, talk one more time about those 43 folders thing, uh, thing that I opened the show with. Uh, Is it because you also keep empty folders? I do like <laughs> empty folders. I, you never know when you might need a good empty folder to stick some I know loose that, paper in. I know that I can always buy some. Yeah, but yeah, why would you? Why, why throw away a perfectly good empty folder? I, 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 I'm with Trump on this. It's a good folder. Keep it. As soon as I saw that, I was like, see? This is you're the same. You're the same people. There was a, a piece in the Washington Post, an op-ed in the Washington Post last week. This is before the 43 folders thing actually dropped. It sort of primed the pump on the 43 folders thing. Uh, Stephanie Grisham noted that Trump simply has a thing for paper, heaps of it. The more jumbled, <gasps> the better. He even hauled boxes of assorted materials with him when he traveled on Air Force One. There was no rhyme or reason. It was classified documents on top of newspapers, on top of papers. People printed out of things they wanted him to read. The boxes were never organized, Grisham told the Post. He'd want to get work done on long trips, so he'd just rummage through the boxes. That was our filing system. It's just it like a- you. That is the exact same <laughs> fucking thing as you. This- Op-ed goes on, it was a prop, as much a part of the never-ending Trump show as the make-believe coat of arms he had embossed on each leather seat. The mountain of paper showed how very busy and important its owner was. This became clear as the candidate began rummaging through the pile for various proofs of his own fame and lovability. He dug down about three inches to unearth an 8 by 10 inch photograph of the late pop superstar Michael Jackson. Do you know who this is? He asked improbably. A very good friend of mine, he answered himself. (laughs) So when I started seeing, and I don't think that I saw anyone make the point that I made in that opening, which is why I'm continuing to harp on it, which is that there there was a great deal of of uproar among the chattering class and the and the usual Trump freak out artists about 
like what could be in these class? Like this is the real story here. This is where this is the stuff that he sold to the Saudis, or you know, somewhere in Mar-a-Lago is a whole nother trove of documents that used to be in these folders. It's like, no, you fucking idiots! This guy was leaving the White House in a huff and in a hurry, and just he went up to the desk and he just scraped a bunch of shit off of one desk and put it into a box because it looked like important files. It's the same bullshit folders that were just stacked up everywhere for the last six years and he took them with him there's nothing in those fucking folders of consequence he couldn't tell you what was in those folders even if there was anything important in those fucking folders they just look cool to him and that's why he has them i would bet anything on it so so that that's where you land you think uh all of the documents that he he has taken with him they're all just kind of haphazard like just i i want you know not that haphazard i mean he wants to the the classify top secret just for show you know like he wants the folder that says those things because it makes them seem important yes but you don't think that he put any thought into you think that there was a plan with this guy this is what i heard somebody else last week literally make the point that trump is now going he's now going to pivot and be serious because and this was like somehow it was in between biden's speech with the the creepy red backdrop and and trump's rally the very next day somebody was like now we're gonna see trump pivot because now this is the opportunity for him to to really show (laughs) how he can be serious and it's like are you out of your fucking mind have you completely (laughs) lost the thread there's nothing there there was never anything there Right. And to and to suggest that like he he thought out a plan before he left the White House and gathered materials and like was 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 going to be making the case in some way like of course right. not. So on one hand, I, I I don't know why what how many years into this whole this Trump era that we're in, uh, anytime something that is potentially damaging, any news that comes out about Trump that's potentially damaging. Uh, a lot of the yakety acts that you uh, speak of, the chattering types, they always let their imagination run wild. There's always some sophist—I mean, at least somewhat sophisticated plan—and it's—and it—it never really tracks with what you know of Trump, which is nothing sophisticated, right? It's very like obvious. Uh, but on the other hand, the hallmark for deceit is the ever-changing story, and I don't know which version of what happened Trump is pushing now. He has changed a million times, and that, that's usually like there's something there. No, no, you th- because he wants you to think there's something there. The, 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 right. the, the whole brand is right. sneaking out of the house late at night <laughs> with a surreptitious bag of suspicious-looking materials and hiding right. them somewhere near the trash can and very secretly going about this. And then, and then you, the the clever spy who was watching Trump all along. After this person has left, you sneak up to the bag and you're rooting through the trash and it's literally – it's just empty. It's just a fucking Big Mac but, wrapper after all. Right. Like that's all it ever was. It's just an empty fast food container. There's nothing but, there. And he pretends right. like there's something there in order for you to make the mistake of thinking, ah, oh, there must be something nefarious. I mean, something clever is happening here. There's not. There's never anything clever. It's just right. he's, he's a he's an input output machine. He's just a, a stupid meat reaction machine. That's all he ever was. So, so you you rule out any uh, scenario where he 
took out some things that were of value to showcase. Not because you know there's the, the whole theory of overclassification. Everything gets top secret and yeah. whatever. So like if he's just mindlessly picking up stuff, like he can't really show off because it's like, oh, what is that? Some random update. He doesn't to read some... the things. Right. So so he doesn't read the things. But you're thinking he's like, give me some something that's. That's going to amuse the people that are going to be at Mar-a-Lago. You don't think he I mean, went yeah, to I'm, that I'm one? I'm sure that stuff? he kept letters and stuff that he wasn't supposed to well, keep. Well, didn't I'm he sure, – yeah, the right. Kim Jong-un right. one that I'm, he was kind I'm of – I'm sure that he kept yeah. any number of yeah. – but like in terms of like what is he doing here? What is the point of the thing? What What is he hiding? He's not hiding anything. Yeah, he so you can know confidently, what he's hiding. Right. He right. doesn't know you, what he's hiding. He knows that it looks confident. good for him to be at war with whoever the fuck. And so if the right. media says he's hiding something, he's going to change the story 57 times so that he seems like he's hiding something. But he's not actually hiding anything. There was never anything right. there. Unlike so websites of the past. That's all it ever is. <laughs> you can rule out uh, any sort of like selling secret stuff that all the, the 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 craziest like outside like this is worst case scenario you don't think there's any scenario where he is giving information to a saudi arabia for either money or some business uh, arrangement no scenario that that is i can imagine impossible. him stringing some idiot along who might like where he says some sort of obscure thing but like i don't think that he act no i don't i do i cannot imagine there's that level of planning that goes into anything that he does. It's just not how he functions. It's never how he's ever presented. Do I think that it's possible that like Jared Kushner did some weird under the table shady dealings with some other like nefarious Saudi type people? Yeah, I believe that. But he probably did that during the administration, right? Wasn't there some weird like transactions during the uh, Trump era? Yeah, they're with, a highly you know. transactional person. Like, like yeah. to his bone, he is a transactional person, right? That's right. what Ukraine was all about from the very start. It's you do for me, I do for you, that sort of thing. Right. But like, there was right. never anything really there either, right? Like, he was like, you could if you just make noise about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and and their dealings in Ukraine, then I'll make some noise over here for you. You right. can get a White House. But there was never anything actually there, right? Like, it was right. gross. But it wasn't. It, it's not like there were state secrets involved, right? I don't know. It's this thing where they insist that he's the threat that he like so clearly isn't. It doesn't mean that he's not a threat. It just means that he's a. It's a threat of an entirely different kind. Is it- I mean, you don't think his uh, effectiveness, how he can uh, disrupt just regular order, is concerning? Like that people are. Despite how many times he comes up with some cockamamie story, people just shift in that direction. Oh, yeah, this is why. Or, nope, I guess my new talking order, my talking point is to say whatever he says next. And people just constantly shift toward whatever he says. Well, they not, only, not only do they constantly shift, but they also they, they stick with stories that have long been disproven as though they are still the case. So this was from Face the Nation. This weekend, they did a. There's no Maggie Brennan. It was Labor Day, so it was, she was not. She's out for a while. They were very cryptic. They were like, oh. Maggie's not here. She looked like shit last week, and she's just not here. Yeah. So oh, interesting. No Maggie. No John Dickerson either. We got Major Garrett guest hosting the uh, the Face the Nation, and he was fine. It was better than what fucking meet the press did to celebrate labor day which was to do an hour on a dateline segment from a a week ago oh. about a police killing from yeah, five boring. years ago 
whatever. Anyway, this is uh, 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 talk to the voters as as CBS is wants to do from time to time. They've stopped with their political roundtables, and instead they they just they talk to everyday Americans. Let me pick up on that, Steve. You just said the last election was stolen. How was it stolen? Uh, I saw the video out of Georgia. They cleared everybody out of the, the polling place, and as soon as everybody was gone, they pulled suitcases full of um, ballots out of uh, underneath tables and started processing. And the next morning, the entire outcome was different. Steve, does it matter to you that the Georgia Bureau of Investigation looked into that and decided itself that there was nothing wrong there? I have to believe my own two eyes. I watched it happen on video. Yeah, we know video can be doctored today, but I'm not buying it. I'm a pretty bright guy that I see, I believe, Mm -hmm. at least half of it. Does it matter that two U.S. attorneys, both of them appointed by former President Trump, looked into it and did not consider that activity fraudulent? Does that matter to you? It gives me pause, makes me think more deeply about it. But again, I have to believe what I see. This idiot. Sees, guy. Come on, sees the video and thinks, while I recognize that they can doctor video. So what his, his conclusion is that it's possible that he's having the wool pulled over his eyes because somebody like with advanced green screen technology and CGI went in and added suitcases full of votes into the video that he saw. He thinks that's plausible. But right. what's not plausible is that he didn't actually see the thing that he thought that he saw, which is, yes, did he see cases of things? Yes. But see, Dinesh D'Souza says that there were fucking ballots in there that were invalid. And so since Dinesh D'Souza has told him that that's a two suitcases full of ballots, then that's what it might be the case. And, and yeah, sure, it's possible that uh, like Industrial Light and Magic came in and, and, and fixed the whole thing up so that he would believe something that's not true. But no, it's certainly not possible that well, Rudy Giuliani and Dinesh D'Souza yeah, have been telling him a lie for the last two years. That's the thing that drives you crazy about talking to your mom, which is like, if it's not this, it must be this other thing. Right, no. It could be a whole fucking universe right. of things, right. actually. Right. It doesn't have to be only this other thing, right? Just because... But like someone said that's what it was, so it's like, all right, that's what it was, I guess. Isn't this uh, what do they call it? The, the primacy effect. Like, so I suspect that the f- first ex- experience he had with this whole thing is that he saw the video, and then he probably listened to some Neil Bortz type or whatever on, on talk radio, and basically this point was emphasized over and over and over again. And then to him, that's the truth. Anything that comes after, even though if it's stronger evidence is not going to hold the same way as the first experience of it, which is, oh, they're rigging it. By the way, th- all those people uh, are aware that there's a camera there. So, I mean, if someone's going to scam, why would they like do it in bra- in plain view of the camera? Did- the story didn't make sense, but his experience at first was probably they're stealing it because with the whole – the way that they were counting the votes, it was kind of backwards. So, like, it showed – one result, like Trump was leading, and then they counted all the votes that were already there, and the number went the other way. And so I think it was a confluence of things, and it's going to be hard for him. And I don't know why they should. Uh, I don't know why they don't ask these kind of voters this, but like, what would it take? What would you change your mind look like? Like, what sort of evidence? Because it seems like 
a Trump appointed uh, uh, a judge or a I don't know. Like, GBI. that's a tough question to answer about. I would have. I like I don't know what I so strongly believe, but I'm not creative enough to think of right. anything that would make me not believe the thing. Like that's right. it's just a that's just an icky but, question. No, that, that that's true, and and I guess maybe it could be presented better. But like, I at what point does something become an all falsifiable belief? Yeah. Like it's like there's nothing really you can tell me. Like the president, the former president himself could come and say, "Hey, I was that was a big, it was all for show, you know, just trying to make some noise and." You know, you you got how show business yeah. works, right? Like even that would be like, oh, he's on the take too. Like he's on the other side of it. Like the guy that you're supporting is on the other side. You would sooner believe that than just to say I was fucking wrong the first time. <laughs> like that's it. Yeah. It's a simple story. I got it wrong. I watched that whole segment, and I'll make sure that there's a if I can find a link to just that segment, I will I will put it in the show notes so you can watch the whole thing because it Major Garrett interviews both that very bright, self-diagnosed bright guy from Indiana and also two women and you know, they all make all of the Trump noises, right? They're, they're fully still committed and on board the Trump train. Nothing is going to get them off of it. And uh, weirdly, I felt like I, I, I felt compassion and empathy for these people. And, and largely because like, I fundamentally believe that they believe that they're doing the right thing, right? Yeah. And and like they're they're profoundly wrong about simple facts in the world. But to listen to that on the heels of now, did you listen to Biden's speech that he gave in front of Liberty Hall last I guess it was Wednesday or Thursday. I think it was Thursday. Yeah. So I my experience uh of that is I watched the next day on like YouTube, like one of the, I don't know, the C-SPAN or what? Basically, it was just literally the 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 Marines were playing the music. The president and the and the first lady come out. He makes a speech and then he pisses off. And that was the extent of it. And then I see all these like memes online about like divisiveness and like some fascism. I was like, what? Like, did I miss something? First of all, I I think it is worth acknowledging that the optics of it were terrible. It's, it's difficult to admit that, I think, if you think that the things that he were saying were, like, overwhelmingly true, which, which mostly I do. I think that most of what he said is – first of all, it's all entirely defensible, certainly from within his tribe, right? But further, I think it's, like, 90 percent defensible from, the object, from, from an objective standpoint. It, 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 would, it takes a crazy partisan – to say that this was just a bunch of uh, filthy lies from Joe Biden, right? Right. But looking at Joe Biden, who's a very old man, and who, when he talks, tends to make a screamy face, and so it's easy to capture a scream cap of him looking angry, and then to have the backdrop of that be a dark red black backdrop, and then he's sort of dark like the 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 front like it's all it's a very dark image you can go and yeah. you could see him i i saw it memed online side by side with the v for vendetta uh it's president. very v for vendetta it's, it's it's very black and red and imposing and they had the marines back there and the marines were just these dark silhouettes with bright white gloves on so that you could get these really creepy pictures of yeah. of uh, they're still uh pictures that i saw online like wow that <laughs> i guess so we're going for uh 
the theme was gloom, like, oh, the outlook for America is gloomy if uh, we stay on this present course. I don't know what the idea was, uh, but at least on the video, I didn't notice that as much as when the still pictures came out. I was like, oh, wow. That, that, the still that pictures look. are terrible. They absolutely yeah. have fascistic looking like it, it feels fascistic when you look at it that doesn't mean anything right the right. fact that i said maybe those he was words, trying to appeal to republicans with his fascism yeah maybe it, it, it's like uh you, uh, i was uh I, I guess the closest thing is a terrible comparison but i'll make it uh it reminds me of uh mma like in live mma action punches are flying or whatever but still pictures it just looks like two dudes are just kind of just at each other, just very <laughs> tight, and it looks kind of gay, yeah. uh, <laughs> which is n- not what the live, the actual thing is. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, a picture, and I don't know why you don't anticipate that. Like a back, that you know, the the, the background and everything that you know would not be conducive to a picture. Uh, I don't know if they could have done it at a gymnasium. Would that have made a difference? Would it have been worse if they did it from the White House? Would that have been like you can't? do that from the white house yeah because we got annoyed at trump for doing things like that well first of all they presented this as a non-political speech and it was 100 percent a political speech and to suggest otherwise is to tell a weird lie that they shouldn't have been telling like this was this was not just a president talking to the nation right this was an overtly political speech suggesting that votes for his political enemies are votes against the interests of the nation, right? right. Now you, you can dress that up as as saying it, it's true enough, perhaps, that, that it escapes the, the mundane grossness of everyday politics. But I don't you're you're certainly not gonna get away with that with anybody who doesn't already fully isn't already fully on your side. So you might as well just acknowledge that this was a political act rather than insisting that it's a, some sort of non-political thing. I don't know right. I don't know what they think they're accomplishing by saying it's not political. Just acknowledge it. Say this is a rally to try to get Democrats elected and and then don't don't try to take over the primetime airwaves of the of the national news networks who largely ignored you right. anyway. All right. I listened to it on one and a half times speed, which I highly recommend because Joe <laughs> Biden is slow and doesn't sound good most of the time. But if yeah. you listen to him at one and a half times speed, it actually sounds like he's <laughs> like fully in control of his faculties. And I'm going to play an example here. Uh, this is just a totally random moment from the... It- is it going to de-age him 30 years? Just like yes, like it really Biden does. It de-ages him like crazy. Like they should just play him at, full, at, at one and a half times speed all of the time. I believe America is big enough for all of us to succeed. And that is the nation we're building, a nation where no one is left behind. I ran for president because I believe we we're in a battle for the soul of this nation. I still believe that to be true. I believe the soul is the breath, the life, and the essence of who we are. The soul is what makes us us. The soul of America is defined by the sacred proposition that all are created equal in the image of God, that all are entitled to be treated with decency, dignity, and respect, that all deserve justice and a shot at lives of prosperity and consequence, <laughs> and that democracy, democracy must be defended, for democracy makes all these things possible. <laughs> Make it 1.25. That's too yeah. fast. We've never fully realized the aspirations of our founding, <laughs> but every generation has opened those doors a little bit wider to include more people who have been excluded before. My fellow Americans, America is an idea, the most powerful idea in the history of the world, and it beats in the hearts of the people of this country. It beats in all our hearts. It unites America. 
It is the American creed. All right, so that that's 1.25 there. Now we're going to go back to normal and just go back a little bit. We've never fully realized the aspirations of our founding, but every generation has opened those doors a little bit wider to include more people who have been excluded before. My fellow Americans, America is an idea. The most powerful idea in the history of the world. He sounds like shit at full yeah. speed. He sounds great at 1.25 or 1.5. At regular speed, if even though it's only twenty seconds of me experiencing Biden at this high, faster pace, uh, I got used to it. And when you went back to normal, it feels like you're it's point seven five. Right? No, yeah. he sounds he no. sounds great at 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 sped up speeds. He sounds like a, a man thirty years his junior. He sounds like he did talking on the Supreme Court for for Clarence Thomas. Right. Uh, but there's no getting around this the way that it looks, which is dark red and black and like spooky looking. Like there's, right. there's no denying it. And it was just a bad look. And I understand why. But but that is not to forgive the hilarious overreaction of the Republican pundit class to suggest that this was declaring war on his political enemies in some way. But at the same time, like I, after listening to the CBS goofy talk to the voters thing, like, I don't know. I feel like he's doing a little bit of a deplorables thing in this speech. Like he's right. sort of saying what Hillary said. He's sort of saying what Obama said about you're not going to, you know, the, there is some small segment of this country that cling to their guns and their religion, right? The, right? There's there's an element of what Joe Biden is talking about is he's writing off something like 25% of the country. In ter- it's, it's no small number. It's 30 million people. It's 40 million right. people who are still fully behind Donald Trump. It's un- right. It's super uncomfortable. But, like, it's weird for the president to just be like, look, we got to write off fucking 25 to 40 million Americans. Well, it, it, is the right approach to just pretend this is not an issue? Like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, because any attempt to address it always seems to not land. And, of course, because you're telling them, yeah, you dumb fucks or you're crazy or whatever. There's no nice way to say that you're being reckless with your vote. Uh so, like, is it preferable just to not engage and just kind of talk up your policies or whatever? Like, I, I don't know what the – every attempt to do something about a deplorables or a clinging to or this uh, uh, speech, it th- th- there's there's no, like, breakthrough. There's no progress. So, like, what's the point other than just to kind of, anim- you know, uh, presenting the problem and then hoping that that is a catalyst – for people yeah, that it, it just agree goes with you. back to the idea that there's no good way to handle the turd in the punch bowl. It's the yeah. metaphor that I'm currently stuck on. But you're gonna get shitty when you go fishing out the turd in the punch bowl, and there's just no getting around it. And right. I like it, I I actually thought certainly compared to the way that the that the the Fox and Friends type people took this speech, which was to suggest that. It was as fascistic as the imagery of it sort of suggests, which I don't think it was. I think if you go and you either read it or listen to it at 1.25 speed, <laughs> 99% of what he says is is true and defensible and and needs to be said and should be heard by people. The fact of the matter is Trump then turned around in Philadelphia or wherever he was in Pennsylvania a day later and said that Joe Biden is 
an enemy of the state and that uh, the FBI and the Department of Justice are full of vicious monsters. Just taking what by, like to, to, to even compare them to, to, to say right. that, that they are in the same category of thing is to make a mistake, right? Like, yes, they were both spoken by a president and a former president, and they're talking about their political enemies, but they're not talking about them in anywhere near the same with, with with the same vocabulary or with the same level of underlying respect for the for their humanity, and I know that, that, that's a little too lofty probably to compare what Biden was saying with what Trump was saying, but like there's a fundamental difference there, and like first of all, there's a coherence to what Biden is saying. For Donald Trump to say that the, that Joe Biden is an enemy of the state, like in what rate? What state? <laughs> Whose state? I thought that the state was a was a deep state that was bad. So is he the enemy of which which in particular right. state is the president right. the enemy of? And it, beyond just uh, what I actually mean is Trump, where enemy of the Trump is actually yeah. the thing that I'm that I'm saying there. Right. Like there's just no like there is no comparison between what Donald Trump said at his rally on Saturday and what. Joe Biden said at his rally on Thursday, but the equivalences have been drawn and it's just a fucking bummer. And I don't, like I said, I don't know how you can deal with it. I don't, right. I, I agree with you. It seems something that is out of reach of, of normal everyday politics to be dealt with. And you just have to keep leaning on like making fun of them and dismissing them. And, and that's too bad. Yeah. It's almost that's like an inoperable brain tumor. Yeah. Just like it's there. Can't do much about it. You can make it worse, but but maybe you know history will look back and say there should have been more confrontation and engagement on this point. You can't just have people just be cavalier with democracy. But I don't know. So far, every attempt has not worked. So maybe try a different course. Yeah, it's just there's something that like breaks the brain when you have to listen to people talk about Joe Biden went to war with half of America today and then the very later that very day Donald Trump says Joe Biden and the FBI and the Justice Department are enemies of the state and they're vicious monsters like it's just they're just not in the same category of thing and somehow he just gets such leeway to be whatever it is that they want him to be, and everyone else becomes the absolute worst of their imagination. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's just it's just not fair. Like it sounds silly to say it, <laughs> but it's just not. You're just not. It's like dealing with fucking seven years. It's like dealing with children. Uh, yeah. And I feel bad because I like I said I watched that thing on on the uh, on CBS on Sunday morning. These people really believe that they're the good guys, and I think right. that they actually are probably mostly good people. Like that's the thing is if you are are thinking about your political enemies and it ever crosses your mind that they're that they're bad and that they have ill intent and that they're evil in some way, then you're doing something wrong. It's probably not the case. It's almost right. certainly not the case that Steve from Indiana is a fucking bad dude. He's yeah. just wrong, right? And right. for some reason we can't just accept that he's just wrong and move on with things. And it's in part because they build it into this their Steve from Indiana is making into this big existential fight in part two. That's what two. I'm saying. They, it's their fucking fault. Yeah, sure. So, like, I, you can't... We tried being nice. Sorry, you're deplorable now. You did nothing to show that you weren't. You elected a guy who said it was going to be awful, then it was awful, and now you're bummed that he's not the president anymore? Fuck you. <laughs> deplorable. 
Yeah. I just don't I again, maybe it just comes down to not knowing what to do. Is is Joe Biden guilty of essentially what the Democratic Party machine was guilty of these last few months in terms of trying to elevate MAGA Republicans, right? Because we talked about this a few weeks ago where the Democrats spent a bunch of money in a bunch of different races to try to get Republicans as the nominee who were the least appealing, who were who were the most offensive, right? So we got Mastriano, we got Dr. Oz, we got the guy who's uh, going to be running for Peter Meyer's seat, any number of different uh, races around the country where yeah the the thinking was uh let's prop up the weaker candidate the weaker so candidate we'll who, is, who is uh, demonstrably bad for the country were they right. to right because they don't believe in elections they don't they've rejected the idea that 2020 was was a fair election they don't accept that joe biden is the rightful president of the united states donald trump says things like I'm. Uh, they should just make me the president tomorrow. Like literally, right. that's what he says. Like, right. and people, <laughs> they should declare the results of the election invalid and either redo the election or just make me the president tomorrow, as though that's a thing that's within the realm of of possibility. He doesn't right. know. And, and, and the troubling thing is that for at least some of the uh, uh, candidates, they, if they were to win and assume the office, they would have a very direct role to play when it comes to 2024, the presidential election, right? So it's not like there's some hypothetical. The governor of Pennsylvania could uh, put some guy to do his bidding as far as the certification of that state, like, for instance. I think there's, like, other candidates who are who would have some similar power, uh, and so, like, yeah, it's not just like, oh, let's just prop up the weaker candidate so it'll give us a better chance. And if we lose, so what? But it's it's not a so what. Basically, this has to work, or you'll be in a much worse position than had you let. Right. Not the, not politically. Like, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we will <laughs> yes. be in a more precarious position in terms of uh, uh, getting the results of of the the will of the people enacted by the people who are supposed to enact the will of the people. Right. So right. it's it's not a it's not a thing that they should be fucking around with, uh, but they are and they continue to. It it can be argued that what this speech did, that what Biden did in his twenty five minute speech the other night, in which he centered Donald Trump and the MAGA movement as the primary threat to the country, is doing a little bit of that again. Right? It's saying the this is who the enemy is. This is who we think we can beat. Right, because he's—it's probably the only chance that he's got in terms of getting reelected—is if Donald Trump is his opponent. Right? right. I don't—I don't yeah. think he beats anybody else. I don't think any Democrat necessarily, at the with the way that the country is right now, beats a a more reasonable and less toxic candidate than than Donald Trump. Is it possible that this is a little bit more of of that again, and should? Is it something that 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 Joe Biden should be doing? Now, the, the second part, I, I'm not sure. I guess it all depends on how sincere you think Biden and, and uh, his administration really takes – how seriously they take this issue. Uh, because I, I imagine, you know, and typically this is the case, uh, whenever there's a midterm election, it's, it's basically a referendum on the president and the party in charge, right? And so if the midterm this year is on that – then the polls show that 
the Republicans will take uh, will take over uh, at least in the House, and then they would have a, a you know fifty fifty chance of taking it in the Senate. But if it's an issue, it's a uh, issue on abortion, which has been a losing issue so far since uh, the Supreme Court did their thing, uh, and if it becomes a referendum on Trump or going back to the, that sort of thing then they would probably stand a better chance to hold the House, I mean, to hold the Senate uh, at the very least, and maybe have a puncher's chance in the House, right? So, like, I, I, I do think this is probably a political calculation, and they probably are comforted by the fact that they're like, it has the added benefit of being true, but the thing is, when you mix those two things up, it kind of undermines the larger principle, when you're like, well, both are true. Like, well, you know, this is a two bird, one right. stone. Because, by the way, the very next, the very next step is that the truth is the thing that gets subsumed by the political will. Yeah. Right. right. Like, the, yeah. the thing that will be subsumed later on is not the political will. It right. is the truth, and that's yeah. when you get that. That's when it gets fucking weird. That's when yeah. the fascistic imagery starts like coming home to roost in the minds of people who weren't comfortable with it. Right. right? But the weird thing about at least that charge of fascism is that it seemed like people, the, the, uh, at least some of the people who, who were making that case, I think they're just doing it just for political gamesmanship. But like they'll make that argument, but they don't seem to have a problem with fascism if it's their guy doing it. That's what I'm like, saying. They're just it, trying a, to appeal to the right because they're right, but so it, it into seems like it. you're like, oh, they're irresponsible with their fascism. <laughs> But are people be responsible with it? Like I, I, I never understood what the argument is because I'm, I don't expect there were a lot of concern after Trump made his statement, right? And didn't he also float the idea of like becoming like the Philippines by like murdering like drug de- dealers or something? Yeah, well, that's like, an that's an old hit. He, yeah, that, that's a that's from the 2016 <laughs> trail. He used to play but that one all think the that time. That's a, did that get a big uh, pop from the crowd? Like, is that like a uh, like wow? That's what I'm talking about. Shoot him. Like, yeah, that people a- love that. They love that. The the execute drug dealers in the streets. They love the we're going to make their families suffer with the don't just go after the terrorists, but make but bomb their families as well. Like they <laughs> they should not feel comfortable anywhere in the world. People, people are really not like people are really not that different across the world. Like there's a segment segment of any population that is big on these shitty ideas. They just sound good. Like yeah, let's just kill people. That's yeah. a good move. So to answer the question that I posed to you, I do think that the Biden administration is in danger of setting themselves up in the in the same way that the the DNC has done, where they're trying to pick their opponents, and that it's the sort of thing that maybe there's not maybe there's not a karmic payoff, maybe it never happens, but it seems bad to me that they're they're making. Like again, he is a threat. I, you have to acknowledge that there's a threat there. But the idea that there's some sort of secret plan to ruin the country and that everybody who is working to reelect Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans are trying to do a bad to America for the sake of doing a bad, like it just it doesn't it doesn't yeah. ring true with anyone outside of the tent. And it's just about reinforcing the basis support for you. And I don't know what it like yes, in the short term, it may well accomplish something positive. I think that if it also even if it also accomplishes getting Donald Trump to run in 2024 and to get the nomination just that 
is a danger, right? It's yeah. not that, that making Donald Trump the president again is dangerous, which it, it obviously is, but just having him be the standard bearer for the Republican Party in 2024, that is the danger, right? Because there's no scenario, no scenario in which he accepts a loss, right? Yeah. And there's no right. scenario in which he can win. As, as yes. we talked about last week. So right. the danger is not in selecting him as the opponent who you then will almost certainly beat. The danger is in making him the opponent who will never accept the loss. Right. right. He'd be now, m- much better off with literally any re- other Republican, even if it means that the chances yeah. are greater that is you're going to lose. Is it naive of me to like, think that that can't possibly be the plan because of exactly what you just said? No, I think that the Democrats would love to be able to fight Donald Trump for the Ugh. next three years. I, I think that, that that's all that would they would be happy as a pig in shit because they know that they can beat him. And they think that's fundamentally all that matters. Right. And I, I, I imagine the, the, the people who do think that would be emboldened if they kept the Senate because in that scenario you have an incumbent, right? So it's not like what it was in 2020 where – the incumbent was the one that was trying to deny the outcome, right? This is a challenger trying to deny that he didn't have the same power. He doesn't assume the office in that moment, right? Uh, and then the Senate, who goes through the what's supposed to be the formal, you know, the the counting of the votes, if the Dems hold and a you know a Kamala Harris is the one that's certifying things, there wouldn't be that concern that we had in 2020. So like. That all changes if it goes the other way, like the Senate uh, in the fall. But I, I do wonder, in the in the scenario where the Democrats hold the Senate, if they try to prop up a Trump to say, well, now this is actually kind of a safe, calculated risk to prop Trump in 24 because, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Yes, he's the opponent they want. They, they're making it super clear with every action that they take that Trump and Trumpism is the opponent that they want. And uh, my contention is not that a Trump victory is dangerous for the country, which of course it is. It's that a Trump candidacy is a fucking disaster for the country, which, it, which I don't think that they quite realize yet. Right. But the thing is, it's up to Trump because if Trump runs the the primary challengers in the Republican Party will not like the Santos will just wait until twenty eight. He's not going to make a head on attack. You'll have some of the third rate candidates trying to make a go at it, but if he goes for it, yeah. And what I'm saying is that Trump is getting an assist from the Biden administration here by centering him as the primary threat, and perhaps by design, like you say, right? right. <laughs> the assist is by design. Um. Anyway, you want to talk about your rank choice voting success? Sure. In Alaska, Sarah Palin. And that will, can be the last thing we talk about. Will not be joining uh, the United States Congress for the next few months. Uh, she is unfortunately up again in November because this was. Yeah, just, so she could very well be going to Alaska to, to Washington in January, right? If, she could be, but she's not yet because the yes. Democrat won in Alaska, despite the fact that. Uh, something like uh, the the majority of people who voted in that election voted for a Republican as their uh, number one choice. The Democrat ended up winning because of ranked choice voting, as we discussed last week, which is a system of making sure that uh, while you might not get your number one candidate, you can also 
arrange your choices such that the person that least appeals to you has a worse chance of eventually winning, which seems to be what happened in Alaska. And Tom Cotton, uh, loudly on Twitter, he's a senator from Arkansas, raised a whole bunch of shit about this, saying that the the will of the people in Alaska, now this is not a direct quote because I don't have it pulled up here, but the will of the people in Alaska was thwarted because the majority of people wanted a Republican, but we ended up with a Democrat, and this is this is a bogus system, and that we need to do away with ranked choice voting because of it. When it's and that will be appealing, as you said to me, people are going to like that argument, yeah, and and especially uh, Cotton's fellow Republicans will. And it has its very simple and obvious, like, it, it. I understand the appeal as well. Well, I don't get it. More people voted for Republican. We're getting a Democrat. So, yeah. But the whole point is that it's not a binary. This is not just we want Republicans or we want Democrats. It's that there are individual people who make up these things, and they have individual policies and ideas about how the world should work. And if one of those people happens to be a fucking lunatic, like right. Sarah Palin, then the voters will realize this and make her the least... Uh, the 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 number one number three uh, to make it right. as confusing as possible, and therefore deny the Republicans the seat. And the lesson from this is not we should do away with ranked choice voting. The lesson is we should not nominate fucking maniacs anywhere there's a ranked choice option. Right. Right. It should serve as a as a coolant. I, I mean, I, I, the argument that more people voted for the Republican than the Democrat. It is you're conflating party with the candidate, right? I mean, uh, people were given a choice of candidates and they made their choices. Um, and so they, the voters must have seen enough difference between these two Republicans as to not lump them in, as one candidate, right? So these are two different types of Republicans. It's like you can have two different types of Democrats. And so that argument beyond just an initial read doesn't really hold because – Obviously, there was a difference because they're saying I, I would sooner have this Democrat over this second Republican, right? And that should matter. And and you know maybe this would promote uh, more moderation or just or just have viable candidates who are not like batshit crazy. Maybe it'll encourage that. Yeah, and it's it's an obviously good thing that Sarah Palin is not going to be in Congress right now. And also, this is just. Name recognition, right? Like, I mean, she didn't have like a a hook, right? She didn't have like I'm going to do a uh, some sort of uh, negotiating with the Russians on the back end because I'm so close. You know, there, there's no like thing. Like the campaign isn't. No, the based hook on is it. that she was Trump endorsed, and everybody yeah. remembers her, and you know, whatever. I think I want to point at without really talking about it the piece in the Times from last week. Uh, entitled Death in Navy SEAL Training Exposes a Culture of Brutality, Cheating, and Drugs. And it's a fairly lengthy piece about what Navy SEAL applicants have to go through in order to prove themselves worthy. It's called Hell Week, and of course they fucking try to... Sounds great. They try to fucking kill them, and uh, it works sometimes, unfortunately. (laughs) And they get a bunch of shit if they... Ask they die. For help. Tell me they get shit if they die. Uh, if if they are dropping out and in a great deal of medical attention, and you call nine one one, then your commanding officer is going to be super fucking mad at you because you tried to save the life of one of your your fellow seamen. Uh, it's uh, a harrowing read, but I think worth the read. And it also 
sort of raises the question like is this is this sort of thing really necessary is this right. like super fucking hardo we're going to try to kill you to make you stronger mentality who does it benefit and is it benefiting anyone especially if all of these young men feel compelled to shoot themselves up with a bunch of steroids as a way of overcoming the course and uh as a result now we're getting i mean there's it's explicitly stated in this piece by a couple of different people including people who wanted to be navy seals that like do we really want a course that is so difficult that half of the point of going through it is trying to find your way around it is that, yes. that, that it's selecting for the cheaters and right. <laughs> like not just the cheaters who cheat by injecting performance enhancing drugs into their body, but like whatever you can do to cut corners and not be caught by the, the person administering the test is like to your benefit because otherwise the test is unpassable. And therefore right. we're selecting our, for our most elite Navy seals, we're selecting the people who don't play by the rules? Like, is that is that really what we like want a, to be selecting sounds for? Sounds like a book someone wrote one time. Well, you know, the the, uh, the the story was pointing to the fact that over the last four years, the number of people who are passing has gone down, uh, because they're I guess they're making Hell Week more demanding physically and mentally, and just the conditions. And I wonder. Have missions become more demanding that they need to ramp it up, or is this just n- nonsense? Probably not. Make... Yeah, right. I mean, like, what are they doing <laughs> in these far-flung locations uh, in 2019 that they were not doing in 1989 or 1979? Like, why do you need to go through all of these things and almost invite cheating uh, by making it so strict. And sometimes people die, like they recorded, like, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, the army rangers have their difficult thing and every like branch has their own little scheme. Uh, nothing like this. Uh, but also in the story, and this may be a rare occurrence, but somebody didn't make it. And apparently you get punished for failing to pass. Not like, right. okay, if you, you didn't if make you, it. If go you back wash to your... out of the program, you go, you get a fucking shitty station working at the cafeteria in some shitty Navy outpost somewhere. Yeah. Right. Which is not something you would have gotten if, had you not even tried. Like if you just were like, I just assigned me based on my skill, they would have done that. And in one case, the person killed themselves because like their whole identity was based on making it through this program. Yeah. And so but it's like, it, it feels icky to ever like single cause a suicide, but yeah. But yeah. yeah. But but anyways, like, what is the return on this uh, investment that you're making? Basically, we want people get, to be— You get probably—they're probably real shitty husbands that are assholes yeah. to their wives. Is that good? Is that something we get? <laughs> yeah, maybe— Bonus. Yeah. yeah. Military is great. Let's do it's, it. It's worth reading. I'll make sure that it's a uh, a gift article. If you go through the show notes, you'll be able to find— that you can click through and read that even if you are not a New York Times subscriber. Let's see. Let's not talk about No, we're done. Duke and BYU. Okay. And whether or not there was a racism done because uh it's not clear whether or not there was a racism done. Abe, do you think, think there was a racism done? I, I think we you give it enough time. It. <laughs> you give it enough time, like I would say with the passage of time, uh everything will become, you know, clear. Uh, I have my doubts, but you know, I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, one more thing before we go. This is from, and I, I apologize, but I can't help myself. Uh, men's health advice column. Maybe you saw this. It made the rounds on Twitter. This is a, a an advice column. This is a, a somebody wrote in. This is called the Sexplain It advice column. It's written by Zachary Zane, who describes himself as a sex writer, author, and ethical boy slut. A fancy way of saying I sleep with a lot of people and I'm very, very open about it. Over the years, I've had my fair share of sexual experiences, dating and sleeping with hundreds of people of all genders and orientations. In doing so, I've learned a thing or two about navigating issues in the bedroom and a bunch of other places, to be honest. I'm here to answer your most pressing sex questions with thorough, actionable advice that isn't just communicate with your partner, because you know that already. Ask me anything, literally anything, and I will gladly sexplain it. So he's like uh, the new generation's Dan Savage? Is that he his angle? He sounds like a bro Dan Savage. Am I wrong? <laughs> Only and one way to... Bo- <laughs> you, you would assume that based on it being men's health and him being sort of the way that he was in his intro there. But here's the first question. If I'm sexually attracted to people AFAB or assigned female at birth because of anatomy, does that make me pansexual? My whole life I've identified as a straight man because I'm sexually attracted to women's bodies. But if I'm attracted to someone AFAB, again, assigned female at birth, who comes out as a trans man but doesn't choose surgery, does that make me pan or bi? I'm not attracted to people assigned male at birth, but I am to certain trans men and NBs, non-binaries. If I change my sexual orientation, I feel bad as I'm just pretending so I can... I can encompass their gender identity to be with them. Signed, labels are hard. All right. (laughs) What what is a pansexual? Uh, You just, everybody. Everything? Everybody, everything. Okay. Yeah. Not limited in sexual choice with regard to biological sex, gender, or gender identity. Just Just like a salad bar. Just, hey, have at it. Yes. A bit of carrot. Okay. It's like when someone says they're vegan, like that's they don't okay. they don't do any. There's nothing having to do with animals, so it's like the opposite. Like of an that. omnivore, I'll eat yes. whatever. Yes. Okay. 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 The more you know. What would you say? So before I go into the response here, so here's the the core of the question is. I am a straight guy who likes fucking chicks. <laughs> and uh, what should I do with that? Seems to be the question, right? Well, like, uh, I guess the question I have, uh, do are, are people's attraction to other people, uh, is it based on the other person's gender identity or just their appearance? Right. I mean, so th- this this, pers- this man, this is a c- cis white man, a cis man anyway, right? Straight. He says yeah. he identifies as straight, but he is also attracted to people a, who were assigned women at birth. So like with vaginas, women. who yeah. are now trans men, right? Tra- yeah. Did but I they haven't right? done anything. Yeah. But they haven't had any surgery. Whatever. Right. They just haven't. Yeah. Right. So like. I'm a dude, but right. I have a vagina. That guy's right. attracted to it. Right. That's what. That's right, right? Sort of. That's what he's suggesting, yes. Yeah. He should just not overthink it. Yeah, just, because, I mean, the, the you know, instead of all the 
smoke and mirrors. Basically, he's a dude who's attracted to women, and this man who who identifies as a man was born a woman, and he's, I guess, yeah, it seems to be pretty straightforward. Deer, <laughs> deer labels are hard. Response from labels are hard. Zachary Zane. Your attractions technically meet the definition of bisexuality, since you're attracted to vulva owners of multiple genders. But I don't think you're really struggling with how you personally identify. It sounds like you know you might be fetishizing people with a vulva, and you're wondering how to do that without offending people, especially potential partners who are trans or non-binary. Good. This is something you should care about. <laughs> oh, boy. There's nothing wrong with having a fetish for a certain body part. I, for example, have a fetish for huge asses. But it's offensive to... Re that was not my interjection, by the way. That's, that's within the text of the response. But it's offensive to reduce a person to that sole body part, in this case their vulva, unless the person is explicitly open to being fetishized in that way. I love when I find a person who wants me to worship their ass or wants me to use them because, as the gay boys say, I'm just a hole, sir. All right. This is a good podcast. He's Zachary Zane is suggesting that this man who likes to fuck chicks is fetishizing vaginas. Yes. That that's what it is to be straight now, is to fetishize vaginas. But because he's open to fucking vaginas that are attached... And by the way, this is not me doing the weird objective, uh, objectifying people and reducing body parts to being attached to people. That's, what, that's their language, right? So I'm playing in their sandbox. So the person who has the vagina, who thinks that there's a, that they're a man inside, because the, this guy is willing to fuck that vagina... He's actually bisexual because right. he's willing to fuck dudes as well, even if it is that they're carrying around with them at that time a vagina. This is men's health, right? Right. This is not my feminist philosophy class. <laughs> this is not a women's studies program. This is not the advice column at Oberlin. This is the advice column of a very mainstream, bro-y right. publication and they're suggesting that wanting to have sex with with people who have vaginas means that you're fetishizing the vulva. You're you're putting a negative a negative tone on fetishizing that no, might not the be there. No, the negative tone is there because he, no, what he's suggesting is. is that plenty of people aren't comfortable with ha with having the source of their attraction be their vulva. I take that very much as what you're into is vaginas and it doesn't matter who it's on. I don't take that as anything negative, but you are welcome to. The, uh, does this guy have... Um any, can like... I get well, before you talk, Abe? And I mean this 100% seriously. Why would you ever defend this? In what yeah. world, Lori? You think you're just making a point, a rhetorical win against me because I have some I'm sort not, of. No, no, that no, no, I... no, 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 seriously, though. This, this is utterly indefensible. No, it's stupid. The, the answer to the question is don't overthink it and, and move on. Don't worry. <laughs> I think that the, the sticking point remains is this the significance someone's gender identity plays in attraction. Because to me, it's like, all right, like I'm sure they've done one of these question and answer segments before on this, but 
what if within a relationship, like this guy, this no labels or hard to label guy, was dating a woman, born a woman, still identified as a woman at the beginning of the relationship and transitioned into a man, right? Became a trans man, right? And he just continued the relationship and he was like, eh, good for you, but nothing's changed on my end. Uh, like, would he have this, what is my identity thing uh, question? I like, mean, would that, that be happens. the same? Like- yeah. But it's like, the, not, not much has changed on my side. I mean, I wasn't attracted to you based on you identifying as a woman when you were born as a woman, right? So it's like, why does that play such a big role? Maybe I'm confused. I mean, it's, I don't know. Maybe he's one of these people in this, like, community where you have to, like, wear your labels. But right. I, like, it's super stupid. I hope you find someone who gets just as turned on by you reducing them to their vulva. But I'll be real with you. The majority of people, cis and trans, aren't down to be fetishized. Your search will be slow going, but at least you won't have to feel bad about pretending anything. It's not me. Suggesting okay, that the fetishization okay, of body parts okay. is wrong. It's it's this. It's the gender critical mindset. I, I, that's not me introducing negativity into it. That comes with the territory. This uh, isn't the same person who was talking up their hole. Like I just reduced to just hole. Does hey do whatever you want with it? Like yes. Two seconds before. I'm I'm utterly mystified by it. I think that it exists solely for us to freak out about it. Like that I think it's it's the entire thing. It's just stupid wild teens who have found something that is going to freak out people to get a rise, and, now, yeah. and now they're building a whole fucking world around it. Right. And it's all and it's gonna be really weird when they get to thirty and realize that it's not the answer to their fucking problems. And it, in fact, this whole thing has been the source of the overwhelming majority of their problems for their entire lives. And they have no idea who they are, despite having spent their entire lives insisting <laughs> that they're trying to figure out who the fuck they are. When the fact of the matter is you need to stop trying to figure out who the fuck you are. Just like, don't think about this it. This is a weird mistake that we've convinced a whole generation of that it's super fucking important that you need to figure out who you are when uh, it doesn't fucking matter. Right. <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> I wonder if uh, the, the the generation right under us will end up being decent parents when it comes to this digital age because they'll have been no 100% one will be decent through. parents. What's that? None. No one ever will be decent parents. Yeah, <laughs> it's an impossible thing to be. Because like can't be the goal. We we you know us old farts uh, at least straddled both worlds where the technology wasn't all consuming, and yep. then you just kind of transitioned into it in, as we were becoming adults. But these kids are just this is all they know, and it's just like I wonder if it's like it's like a, a low grade like a celebrity kind of thing where it's just this attention like seeking yeah. attention and wanting attention. It's just like an all all day no, thing. No, I've said it. I think even here before the problem with. The Z's is that their yeah. parents are Gen Xers who weren't around when the internet they were off fucking yeah. like they were off <laughs> yeah, they were doing other things so like yeah. they aren't as good as us because like you said we're like early adopters right. we figured it out we're ahead of their shit right. so their kids are the ones with the device problems right. they're the ones that started it like right. at least now we know. Maybe don't let your kids stare into a screen for 12 hours a day. 
It doesn't right. mean we don't do it, but yeah. we know that you shouldn't do that. We're like right. the teenagers right now were growing up when they didn't, their parents didn't know that. And they were Gen Xers who didn't care about anything. Yeah. I just, I, I'm, I can, I'm continually mystified by the fact that the reaction to stop making everything about essentialism, whether it's race essentialism or gender essentialism, has turned into actually we just need way more essentialist categories. Right. And, and that what we need to do is to figure out how we can be properly essentialist and that it was wrong to say that uh, boys do this and girls do this. Like, yes, but it's not wrong to to say actually we should double down on that oh, it drives me crazy. and say only boys do this so in order to be a who i am true to myself i have to become a boy it's like, the thing that makes me most crazy we like tomboys like tomboys were great like <laughs> i don't understand why we can't like why we went from let your boy kids do girly things it's if insane. they want to do girly things, then that has become no. They're not doing the, – they can't be girls now or they can't right. be boys. Or like, what, I'm losing the thread because it drives me so fucking up a wall. <laughs> but like I'm not the one doing the essentialism here. Yeah. You maniacs in the gender critical area are, are the ones doing the essentialisms, right? right? You have doubled down on these gender identities as though they fucking matter, whereas – for fucking brilliant, enlightened me, I guess, I realized that the categories were bullshit and they were just like simple shortcuts to understanding the world. They weren't rigid and unbreakable. It's just what they were. And that interesting people were the ones who moved between them. David Bowie and your favorite fucking weird aunt who fucking likes chicks, all right? Like the, the people who moved in these weird spaces in between the rigid hierarchies and in between the rigid binaries, those were the interesting people. And that the exception prove the rule over and over and over again and instead what we're left with now is a billion fucking rules that we all have to fucking follow and i i don't understand it's a failure i'm gonna rant now it's a total failure of politeness to insist that it's on somebody else to call you the right fucking pronouns you're making a mistake about how important you're supposed to be in their fucking head that's not the, it's not up to anybody else right it's a it's a crazy narcissist to insist that everybody else has to adhere to what it is that you think about yourself, and if they don't, you are a victim of them. No, absolutely the fuck not. You don't get to infringe on the inner lives of anybody else. That's not, like, if, if the people that love you want to do that, that's fine. But interfering on other people's inner lives like that is not fucking acceptable because it's not fucking polite that's all it comes down to it's wildly impolite to insist on taking up that much space in anybody else's head right and, and at least in one case it, uh, to your point uh it, it did not withhold scrutiny in court like there was a teacher who was punished for not using a preferred pronoun and he went through the court system and he got $95,000 settlement from the uh, the school district because they were unfairly reprimanded and sus suspended for it. So like, I, I do wonder how widespread this issue is. I mean, it's getting more widespread. I, I, I can recognize that, but I wonder if it's still a very small thing. Like it's most places aren't dealing with these issues, right? And, unless I live in a bubble, but it is concerning how, People keep on throwing around these half-baked ideas and they're like, this is the way. And it's like there's no like talking through it. Like this is a 
unsustainable idea. Like, it didn't make any sense. There's a lot of flaws in the argument. But none of that happens. Basically, bypasses the typical rigor applied to any thought. Like, there should be some scrutiny to say, does this fucking make sense? And there's not a lot of that because people are shy to say that because I guess they'll be reprimanded and shunned by their peers to say, like, oh, what do you mean? You're against... J.K. JK Rowling is going to spend the rest of her life dealing with the fact that she isn't comfortable with the entire gender-critical movement and that she's labeled a turf and a, a... a transphobe and everything that she does for the rest of her life will be it will be in the first paragraph of her obituary is that she was a transphobe right and if it's right. not in the new york times one it will be in the npr one right it will be it will be somewhere in there that it is inescapable and inseparable and it's completely fucking made up the, the whole thing is a fucking weird lie and i don't understand why it's allowed to dominate such a, and, and it's it's a the reason it's allowed to dominate is out of a out of a, out of a mistaken sense of deference and politeness because they've weaponized suicide as a They've taken the threat of trans suicide and said anybody who steps out of line on this issue is killing trans youth. And it's just – it's completely unacceptable as a rhetorical move. It is very manipulative. It, yeah. Right. It's, it's, it, it's like the, the provocation of Black Lives Matter turned up to fucking 11, right? It's, right. it's taking something that is just a, a pure provocation and is designed to win you the rhetorical point. And, well, whatever. Now I'm, now I'm gonna. And also, it's interesting that a uh, radical feminist, which is the last two letter, you know, it's like trans exclusionary radical feminist is the turf. Uh, radical feminism being used as a pejorative almost uh, from the left seems kind of an interesting development. But I guess yeah. it, it speaks to the deference you speak of, like they're excluding trans. In a weird way, I think it comes down to the the that thing that I was talking about earlier, where. Look at fucking Steve from Indiana and Jocelyn from Hoboken or whoever the fuck CBS was talking to this weekend. And it's like, do you really think that these are evil people with ill intent for you? Like, because that's that's it's what you're saying anytime you say you have to use my fucking pronouns. Right. That 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 that. And if you don't, you're doing a harm that 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 dead naming somebody on twitter is worthy of getting you thrown out of polite society right like no there's no nobody wants that the overwhelming majority of people wish you no harm they want nothing to fucking do with you but but they mostly and they mostly don't want to be bothered you've been listening to cast iron brains a podcast with bob and abe find the show on facebook or twitter head on over to brainiron.com castironbrains.com Let's see here. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. We did not today talk about the Alabama pastor who was arrested for watering his neighbor's flowers. Oh, that would have been good. Instead, you yelled about trans people again. Yeah. Well, you say that as though it was something that I shouldn't be doing when I obviously should. Uh, I'll put a link to that one in the show notes. That's a video worth watching. If only for the neighbor who comes to regret her decision to involve the police <laughs> uh, in the case of the guy with the hose who was watering the flowers. I think I asked, uh, like, who are these uh, busybodies that are always paying mind to everything that goes on to their it's, – you always find this. Every time someone just doing something across the way, they, not only are they noticing it, they're, like, calling somebody about it, and it's like – this is 
your day? This is your, how your Wednesday unfolded? Just I think that we could window? solve 99% of the problems of like the, the actual problems of policing in this country if we did not have a police force who believed that they needed to be obeyed at every moment and immediately, right? right. That, that, if, that any questioning, any, any suspicion or skepticism of the police was not treated as a mortal threat to the police officer's <laughs> life, then you could solve like every single instance of police behaving wrongly. Uh, and not everyone, but the overwhelming majority. But it, 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 there are certain cases where like it doesn't work any other way other than just like, look, I'm here for, on, on official capacity. We can't just – you disagree with me on things. Like, I mean, in a practical sense, I wonder how that would work. If somebody was – if the cop was actually trying to do something like within their legal authority to do so and the – the person on the other side mistakenly believed that they didn't have that authority. Like that, that isn't the the avenue to resolve that dispute, right? So if I'm like, I don't have to do A, B, and C. Like I don't have to show an ID, and it turns out in that location, it shows that you do have to show an ID, right? But the person doesn't know this. What they're going back and forth and just settling at will go a separate ways. Like sometimes it it's like why not just like. I don't know, but if the old man who's watering the flowers says, I'm not going to show you my ID, you just say, all right, man, I guess we'll see you later because, like, I'm going to write you this ticket and no, like, you got to tell me your name, but, like, there's got to be a way to de-escalate. Might as well just talk about it because you're talking about it. No, that's fine. Uh, Did you go to the movies this week? I I did go see to – I went to go see the movies, to the movies. One of those sentences. Uh. So on, I didn't go on Saturday, uh, but on Saturday they had uh, some three dollars scam. Thing. Yeah, yeah, man, uh, I wanted. So they were playing Jaws here at the local IMAX, which is not a real IMAX, but they, they call it an IMAX. Right. And I wanted to take because Katie's like it's her favorite fucking movie. She loves Jaws because she likes to be a freak who likes scary movies. So <laughs> I wanted to take them to the movies, but then it was like going to interfere with actually watching the Georgia game one way or another. And then to go on Sunday, it went from being three bucks a pop. To being like twenty two dollars a pop, and right. it was going to cost us like one hundred and fifty dollars to go see Jaws in the movie theater. Like, ah, I don't think so. Yeah, I wonder because it, it, it seemed like it was successful. Um, but the movie that I went to go see was uh, "Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul." Oh, how was it? Uh, it, it? Good concept, but the it kind of fell flat as far as execution was because they kind of made some weird choices. It, this is. Um, some Atlanta-based, it's a fictional account of a one of these prosperity pastor types who are always uh-huh. like on TV telling me, hey, give me money because God is going to bless you. This wasn't about Creflo, was it? it I mean, it could have been, but like it, it was a Creflo type. That's like okay. the, the type of person. But they don't actually explicitly come out and say it, but like he he and his wife are trying to make a comeback because there was some sort of scandal that undermined their whole operation. They had like Joel Olstein size crowds showing mm-hmm. up to their Sunday sessions, and that's not the case. And they're like, we're going to come back on Easter. But throughout the movie, the sense is that he had an extramarital affair with a dude or a bunch of dudes. Like I guess this guy's like a closeted gay guy. But they don't actually like say that. He's just kind of like touching inappropriately like the, the – the documentary camera crew or whatever, like oh, he's doing some that. weird stuff. 
Like, you know, like, hey, let's play some basketball. Wait, was he, this a documentary or is it a no, like, it's, fictionalized documentary? It's a, so basically the, the, the concept of the movie was that they were hiring a documentary crew just as a PR kind of thing. It's like, so when, gotcha. when this proves to be successful, was, this comes this, this is not a documentary at all. Right. Oh, Sterling right. K. Brown is oh, okay. Right. I, I, yeah. I, Sterling I K. Brown, Regina Hall. Anyways, the movie just, I, I guess they couldn't find the right target audience other than just that guy that watches every movie in Atlanta. Uh, but it, it, it came outside of the top 10 on open, it was like 14th or whatever, like, you know, Top Gun 2 came first. Ouch. Yeah. Every movie that they did a re-release, like Jaws, everything did better than this original new movie on you know this weekend. But uh, it wasn't that good, but it had promise. <laughs> this movie that was potentially way better than it, it was, it was n- not nearly as good as its potential, didn't make any fucking money, and Abe is mystified. <laughs> <laughs> well, the pro- because it had a lot of... Uh, critical uh talking up you know so i'm wondering yeah who, i heard about it who was talking this movie up uh because it didn't NPR. Well, yeah a lot of a lot of vox explainers and npr pieces about this movie <laughs> somehow didn't drive people to the theaters <laughs> what else anything else uh that's it on the movie front and uh on the tv front just a lot of college football uh, i don't think i watched anything did you watch game just... of thrones or whatever i did the house of the dragon yes yeah. that was fun yeah I like I like I'm I'm starting to like the time drop even more. Like you know, there'd be some just silly discussion. Like oh, you betrayed me. They're like ah, fuck it. It's three years later, and we're moving on to the next. It's it's a little bit much sometimes when they're trying to because it requires putting a lot of exposition into the mouths of the people who are there. That yeah, is clearly things that they wouldn't otherwise be saying except to catch up the audience. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's I think it's good. It's gonna be. A bummer to lose the most appealing of this cast, which is the the young Targaryen Rhaenyra. Yeah, is she's a, good. Is very yeah. good. She's got and a few ep- more episodes, but yeah, she's gone in episode six. They're going to do the time jump. Yeah. What else about that show? I feel like there was something to say um, about that episode. Oh, I remember. At the end. All right. So spoilers here, obviously. We're talking about a show <laughs> that just aired, but we're so, we're meant to understand that Damon Targaryen and Corlys Valerian, right? Yeah. So that the, the two guys who used to be close to the king and they tried to get the king to start a war in the Stepstones and or, or finish a war in the Stepstones, basically, and, and to, to solve their problem, they went off on their own. And they've yeah. been fighting this war now for three years without the support of the king's army or the king's navy and 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 the the support of the realm they're just on their own trying to take over this one part of the map and failing over and over again for three fucking years and we're meant to believe that after three years of waging this war damon gets a note from his dear brother who says all right i'm coming to bail your ass out and he's like, ah, oh, this will not stand. I'm going to win this fucking war today. And right. so he, 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 he beats the shit out of the guy who brought him the message from his brother and then storms off to go personally end this Gets war. On a after boat. Th- yeah. Right. After three years, he's like, you know what? I have to, enough, enough messing around. I'm going to get on my rowboat and row across this little sea here and take on the entire fucking army by myself. So they try to get I mean, ahead of that. Fair. That is yeah. not sound fair. It's if absurd. You, if if you were him 
and your brother no were amount king. Of, no amount of brotherly spite is going to win a war that was unwinnable for three years. I, you've got a lot of brotherly well, spite. I don't know. So a, a yeah, I know a, a charitable uh, a charitable reading of that sequence of events uh, was, and, and I think they're trying to get ahead of this criticism. But like when they were game mapping the whole thing, like how they were losing the the rich people, they were like. The only way to draw them off. There's only there's only one good option here, and it's to put one guy. It's a kamikaze play. Yeah, just, you need to kind of do take a great risk on somebody that's a high value target. It almost felt like they were doing a Afghanistan play against America. Like those people were like, they had the dragons, the, yeah, the, the, the air power. We'll just hide in, in the caves. caves. Yeah, yeah. And so they're like, we'll come out if. Somebody... Who sends the entire fucking army out to collect one <laughs> asshole? You can just retreat, and there's just one asshole standing there. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get to. It's not risk. He doesn't get to put fucking put his piece there and say, "Oh, this is mine now," because you didn't come out to fight me. That's do you not think how this works? Do you think the unconventional attack by uh, what Damon uh, through the guy who had what grayscale? It looked like he's got like. Late stage he's like grayscale, a burned crab okay. or something. No, he's, he's, yeah, he's one of the one of the the Jorah Mormont guys. He's got yeah. whatever Jorah Mormont, uh, has. but he's yeah. got like advanced level of it. But like, do you think that the fact that he came in ro- in a rowboat by himself, he keeps you know the guy looking for these uh, dragons and they're not showing up and uh, there's no support, there's nothing, and like so maybe that kind of gave him some. Uh, Confidence, and then he's like, "Oh, let more was and more fine and more as an are. action set yeah. piece." Your attempt to do apologia for it right now <laughs> proves how fucking stupid it was in terms of the plot. It I just any don't get sense. why that guy has like followers. Like that guy looks weird. Why don't they just kill him and not yeah. work for him? I like that's what I wasn't understanding. Like he clearly yeah. has an army, but like yeah. why? Yeah. Well, we didn't get the full background story but they never will because his intestines are all over the place now they make he made quick work of him he just went into the cave and ah there here's like a quarter of his body it must have been a good fight though damon comes out of there all streaked with blood all over the place and he's all gross you slice someone in half you're gonna get a little bloody i guess shouldn't he get uh contagious himself didn't this uh yeah i wouldn't be carrying that guy around without a glove on or something that's fucking gross that guy's gonna turn into a rock man that's no good we watched Iron Man. Oh. Yeah, we showed the kids Iron Man. And it's a bit hornier than I feel comfortable with uh, showing the, the children. Like, really? Well, what, here we are. I mean... It's just a PG-13 movie. Okay. Yeah, he's it's constantly light. talking about like yeah. banging journalists and stuff. And, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's kind of gross. And <laughs> at one point, Robert Downey and, and one of the journalists are all over each other on a bed and katie's like Lori was outside walking the dog at the moment and i was like oh great <laughs> i've got to explain this katie, that's what you get for not walking the fucking dog katie goes what are they doing and i said they're wrestling nothing don't worry about it that's a good <laughs> they're just, dog they're just yeah. being silly yeah <laughs> anyway iron man was fine as a Piece of entertainment. Uh, what it fucking bore. It's rotten fruit that it's born over the last fucking 20 years. Is... You, you got to pin that on the original Iron Man? The... It's pretty much. It's, 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 it's it. fault. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
If we could have just not, if we could have collectively said, let's turn this into a cult movie instead of going and making it make $600 million in the theaters, let's just, let's just wait six months and watch it on DVD because yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is very appealing. He's a very charming yeah. individual. We want yeah. to see him do fun stuff. Let's just wait and then we won't get 20 years of god awful Marvel schlock. It would have been worth it. Uh, and did it, we watch no, and else? What did we watch on Friday? I don't know. What, what else did we watch? We must have seen something else. We watched more of that awful Indian matchmaker show. We watched, I mean, oh, we, we, watched, watched uh, we watched a bunch of What We Do in the Shadows because we we're, we're oh, okay. so far behind on What We Do in the Shadows. We're now caught up to season four. We have to still watch season four. But. Yeah, oh, nice. Which has already been out for like six it's months. It's so good. Great show. Anyway, NFL starts this week, Abe, correct? At some point. That is right. The Colts Super Bowl campaign begins. Although hopefully the first uh, week's game is good, like the Bills and the and the Rams, that should be fun. Yeah, you uh, got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Uh, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. And we will talk to you next time. Later. This is good. Good. I like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have fun. This will be good for you. Yeah. No, that's good. I don't know what broken me with this, uh, why the sexplain it column was the thing that did the trick, but like, part, like, a big part of it to me is I take such pains to not be an impediment to anyone else in terms yeah. of like, like, I don't want to come up in anybody's head while they're sitting around the dinner table thinking about the world. Like, that's why I dress, like, I dress the way that I do so I don't fucking stand out. Right. I'm a very normal-looking person. <laughs> no one should ever have to think twice about me. That's sort of like the way that I'm going about the world is, uh, wouldn't it be nice if I wasn't a bother right. to anybody? Right. Like, that's sort of the point. Especially and, to people you don't know. Like, if somebody that you do know, that's something. But, like, yeah. total strangers, you want to yeah. just, I'm just background. Like, what is that, the yep. NPC? What is the, the stupid gaming term? I'm right. just, but in your world, kids, I'm just. The kids in our generation who stood out, who wanted to make a big fucking deal of themselves, who wore the goth makeup and, and painted their nails, they want, they, they would, fuck you. Like, yeah, yeah fuck you. <laughs> you don't have to like me because fuck you because yeah. I'm fucking who I am and fuck right. you. Like, that was the thing. And it didn't have anything, like, and that was fine. Because they were just going about their lives. But fuck you. Yeah. But this is like your now. If we don't treat them the way that they believe they ought to be treated, I'm actively trying to kill that person. Yeah. It's still a vast minority of actual people. Yeah, I still have not run into anyone that's like that. That like like it's it's not enough just to say ah let them do what they want to do, uh, let them play in their sandbox because they want to bring they want to expand the borders of their sandbox to everywhere and if right. you don't then you're trying to fucking kill them. Right. Yeah. So basically, you, you, the idea is to suffocate it in its infancy. Like if you just let it spread, it's going to be harder to do anything it's about just, it. It's not going to spread. But it hasn't broken through to the general society. Like I said, just. Anybody that it's uh, broken through to general society, it's just not. I think this is probably is a trend, though. <laughs> it is a trend. It's in Men's Health magazine. Yeah. Like, what are we yeah. talking yeah. about here? It dominates. No, it's a trend. It dominates the entire media. Like, 
unless you're going specifically to the Daily Wire and the and the and the fucking louder with Crowder crowd, like then it is that then it's the fucking air that you breathe now. It's the water that we're swimming right. in. NPR's entire it's like their entire fucking thing. Right. And it's insane. It is pretty silly. Hopefully it doesn't get much worse. It will get worse if you and the Jamel Bowies of the world don't fucking strangle it in the crib, as you suggested. 